Welcome to the 6am Run Podcast. My name is Mark Paisant. I'm an avid runner, a certified personal trainer, a 6am Run ambassador, and host of the show. Be sure to head over to the website, 6amrun.com, to sign up today to get 20% off of your first order. Now, let's start the show. Hello, welcome back to the 6AM Run Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mark Paisant. Thank you so much for being a part of the show, tuning in, listening, either on your run, your drive, in your house, at work. We really appreciate it. We have a really good show, a unique guest this today, and, and I think you, you guys are really going to appreciate this conversation. We have Tim Bowie with us today, but before I let him introduce himself. As always, this show is brought to you by 6AM Run and 6AMRun.com. Head over to that website to sign up to get 20% off of your first order. Tim, thank you so much for being a part of the show. And by the way, everybody, it's Bowie. It's B-U-I if you are looking him up online. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. Why don't you go ahead and just introduce yourself for the audience. Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so I just introduced myself as, uh, as you know, a serial entrepreneur, but I guess like in relation to this podcast, like just somebody who's been uh, heavily into fitness um, since I was like six, I think I started doing martial arts and um, then I went to like strength training and got to like the thousand pound club, you know, with the squats and the bench and everything. Did cross country and track. Um, but yeah, I'm all about like peak physical performance uh, just as like an indicator of like the direction that we can take in life and like just seeing that we can actually manifest a difference in who we are and becoming the best version of ourselves i think every day is a chance to to see that in the mirror through the effort that we do and also like the impacts that we make so i'm really happy to be here thank you well, thank you for, for being on the show, and, and you call yourself, or, or one of the titles you have is a life mastery coach, and that seems kind of broad, but it, at, the same, at the same time, like, like you just said, you're interested in, in, in not just yourself, but helping people kind of reach that peak performance, get the most out of their lives, things like that. So how would you describe yourself as this life mastery coach? <clears throat> Uh, yeah, so basically, I think that like once you have mastery in one area of life, it's pretty easy to start transferring those things over. One of the indications of mastery, like we could just say like it takes like maybe if it's true, 10,000 hours to master something. Uh, I think mastery is developing a level of un- unconscious competence. And so once you have a level of unconscious competence, you can like map that over to other areas of your life. If you know what it looks like, if you know what it feels like, if you know what it sounds like inside of your body, there's actually like different types of ways of bringing that state. We can call that flow state or, you know, something else. Uh, We'll just call it flow state. But yeah, you can bring that state into other like cooking or just like random things, um, sweeping. And that's kind of like what a lot of meditation and, you know, other like Hindu Buddhist practices are all about just like bringing that through. And so I think there's a lot of people who don't realize that there's 
transferable skills that um, that they can take from their like all the time that they spent, you know, doing sales calls or you know whatever it is, into like other areas of their life and like really um, ramp ramp up other areas of their life that are seemingly unrelated, like family and relationships. And that that's a good point. I think you you bring up a great point about you know people kind of selling themselves short when they become you know um, and they have mastery in one in one thing and, and using kind of transferring that to another, but you brought up meditation and meditation is a, a, a big thing for you. And I know from personal experience, my meditation isn't always the best. Like I, I always, t- I always tend to either think I don't have enough time for it or I tend to, you know, I'm not be very mindful about it in my mind tends to wonder, even though I know I'm supposed to note that period and, and center myself and all that good stuff, but I really have a tough time with it. What? Tell me about your relationship with meditation. What got you into it and, and what you kind of get out of it? Okay. Uh, my relationship with meditation and what got me into it. So uh, my relationship is, I've been doing it uh, since I was 12. I had my first like out-of-body experience when I was 12, um, just it was strange. I just looked up on Google how to how to meditate, <laughs> uh, and then I just this this style is called zazen. You just count like every breath in and out is like one and two, and so you go to ten and then you reset. And you just I just kept doing that, and like it got to a point where like time really started to slow down, and uh, I felt like I stopped breathing almost because like I was just taking like every little breath in was like every little breath out, and like it was just like kind of just just really micro breaths, and then to the point where like I just. Um, had an out-of-body experience and um, it was incredibly traumatic as, as amazing as it sounds because I think as a child or you know an adolescent kid you don't really have the language to describe what the heck just happened to you and I didn't really I didn't have like a good close connection with my parents to you know emotionally to be like oh yeah this crazy thing happened to me so I just like basically alienated myself like I didn't, couldn't talk to my friends and then life seemed so mundane I was just like you guys are just talking about like some you know, super basic stuff about like, you know, like who stole whose candy or whatever, but like life is so crazy. Like, but there's just no way to explain it. So I just like, it was pretty bad. Um, but then later, uh, my parents sent me to, cause my parents are like really Buddhist. And so they sent me later on to like, a uh, cause I was doing bad in school. I was, uh, quite a miscreant and, uh, I got expelled, uh, out of middle school. And so they sent me to, uh, Zen, Buddhist retreat monastery in the mountains and I uh, spent quite a couple you know weeks there and learned how to meditate uh, with you know professional guidance I guess you could say and uh, it's been it's been quite the journey ever since I think um, having a relationship with the mind you know like knowing that you're not the mind but you have a relationship with the mind and it's uh, it's 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 incredibly different because I think most people associate themselves with what they think we are um a lot more than just that that's just a container of one of the things that we are so yeah as a and I, that, that was gonna be my question to ask you as a 12 year old that i mean as the way you say it it's like oh this this great thing that happened at the same time you don't have the language skills to express this to people mm-hmm. and uh, no. that that has to be that had to be scary and then on top of that you as you describe yourself, not the greatest student, you get sent off to a, you know, a Buddhist school like you were, did you fight back at all? Was this something that you had no choice in doing? Like, what was that experience like at, at that age? 
Yeah, I fought back for sure, and I didn't pack for it. It was in the mountains. It was during the winter. It was cold as like whatever you can. Im- it was snowing, and I was just California kid and not not ready for that, and didn't bring a sweater. So I ended up having to borrow one. It was a Powerpuff Girl sweater, and then I got picked on for that. It was just not a great experience. I got to tell you, didn't make a lot of friends. <laughs> well, um, and, and the fact that you Googled something at 12, I, I, I did not have Google at 12. I'll go ahead and age myself, but that I couldn't even imagine what I would have done with Google at the age of 12, but it is what yeah. it is. So, um, you would so, have had an addiction. I pro- something. probably, probably, um, so, so as you know, looking back and, and we'll get into the fitness soon, but I kind of want to just stay here for a while as that, as that preteen, you know, 11, 12, 13 years old, and, and you're kind of all over the place when school, you, you've had to leave the house. And are these times in your life, like the, the life that you have now, do you ever go back and just think about that child? And because let's be honest with you, at that age, you can say what you want about preteens, but you're still learning the world. You're still young. You're still a child. Like, do you ever go back and, and kind of think about things that could have been different thing or, or are you happy? Not happy is not the word. Are you um, kind of content with the the life that you have have kind of facilitated from who that person used to be, who that young Tim used to be? I think that's a really good question, Mark. I really appreciate that question. There's there's a lot there, I think. Um, I would say that I, I grew up really depressed. I was mm-hmm. like depressed for as long as like my childhood was my parents were like emotionally unavailable like arguing a lot pretty abusive uh, emotionally and uh i wouldn't say physically yeah i'm probably physically too um so i was pretty depressed you know like wishing my childhood had been different but i think i got to a point in my life later on where i was just able to be appreciative of all the things and how they played out for me to become who I was. Because then I, I think I started to realize like my own gifts and how all these things really contributed to me being able to realize those things and be, me being a person that was capable of going through what I would say is a pretty tough uh, childhood. Um, and uh, basically like making something of myself, <laughs> to, say, to say at least. I mean, like when I was... 20 what i would consider making like the high like tupac was one of my role models so like i thought like thug life was where i was at so i was like selling drugs selling guns and like just you know living the wildlife i was like oh this is like the highest vision i can achieve for myself like i got people listening to me to do stuff and mm-hmm. I get, you know i got money and favors and stuff but like uh then i and then i had thought i had achieved something so i was even just incredibly grateful and proud of that but like very egotistically proud like oh i'm so cool um but yeah i think like there, there. For me, there was a period of a, of acceptance for all those things that were trials and tribulations, and like how it made me a more resilient person. And I'm, I'm glad. There's a reason I asked that question because if anybody listened to the show, goes back and listens to a, a, a podcast I did with Clint Hatton, and he was the founder of Big Bull Brave. He kind of, he had the same kind of answer. And the reason I asked that question is because. It's impossible to go back in our lives. It's, you know, we get that question all the time. The, you know, the icebreaker question, if there's one thing you can go back and change in your life. And we, you know, I I would go back and I would do this or I would go back and I would do that. And it's like, sometimes 
I don't want to go back and change anything because those are the things that made me the person I am today. Um, and I think you have realized that. And part of that might come from, you know, your spirituality. And I kind of want you to talk about being spiritual. And, you know, I, I want you to talk about the difference between that and, you know, being religious or being a moral person. And what does it mean to you? Because a lot of the things I talk about is that mind-body connection. And when we talk about mm. fitness, we, when we talk about fitness, like I could run until my my shoes are, are worn. I could run until all the clothes are ripped off, like till I'm stop sweating. But if we don't also focus on that mind body connection, we're not really getting a full workout. We're not really getting to the fitness level we could. So, what does it mean to you to be spiritual? Uh, damn, I love how you set that up. Um, yeah, the mind body connection and, and awareness really that is what you're talking about in presence. Uh, yeah, I think like the beginning of spirituality is is it's just a really a journey of I think there's a spectrum of self sabotage versus self love, and um, that's just the spectrum of love I think. And you know we grow up sometimes with not the most supportive. At least I can speak for myself, not the most supportive environment. So then within my head, I've already ingrained the very critical aspects of 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 my parents in my head. Like oh you you know like you're too emotional, you're, you know, like not smart enough or, you know, all these things. Right. And so I think the first part of, of, of spirituality is really, um, understanding that you're, you're more than those critical thoughts on some level registering that creating like a small little buffer between like the moment that that thought hits you and the moment that you identify with that thought. And I think that's what, what a meditation allows like on a macro level is just like space between like a thought and you identifying with that thought so that you have a second to just be like, Oh, do I agree with this? If no, then no, I guess I could just take a different approach. Um, and so like, I think that's what cognitive behavioral therapy is about too, is just kind of like just rewriting things as they come up. Um, but yeah, I think like that's the first arm of spirituality is like, ha like getting to the point where you have enough love for yourself that it starts overwhelming flowing outside of you and i think when people experience that then it's something they, they wouldn't call you spiritual but they would say like there's something about you that draws them to you and like that i think is the first step into like opening up that beautiful door of of, of spirituality is that like now you can have like vulnerable conversations with people and like you know there's just this this, this channel that opens up between human beings when when there's like love that's coming out of you because like i like i said i grew up uh chronically depressed i was morose like i was like very dark i was like was very like smart you know like logical high iq but like using all that to like just show how like everything was wrong with the world and like how like people are wrong and when you talk about like moralism like moralism is like what is right and what is wrong but it's like a lot of that's defined by other people you know and like when you live within the rules of other people like you kind of imprison yourself within your own body and you kind of it's uh i guess this gets into uh maybe something that's controversial but it's like um there i don't really believe that there's a right and a wrong like globally i think we all have to decide what that is for ourselves on an individual level um because like if we just accept that there's something that's just generally overall right and generally overall wrong for everybody um then we kind of imprison ourselves outside of our own personal realizations. And I think those personal realizations are the only truth that we have. Like 
we nobody can tell us like what's true uh on the on a level that's so deeply ingrained within us that we will never forget or that it will just permeate all of our experiences except for our realizations like like you know you can lead a horse to water but it won't drink it right like there's just something about a realization that we have personally that just defines our relationship to consciousness and existence so i'm, I'm like really big on like really not not telling people what to do i'm just like hey like these are the resources you have resources let's open up those resources within you and see what your answer is because like that's the most important thing like not me telling you what the answer is or anybody telling you like we all that's that's like that's part of what makes us human and what makes us free is being able to decide for ourselves and like have a level of discernment develop that and 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 figure out for ourselves what we what we want to do with our life and what our relationship to our life is and i have to to thank you and just say you know within 15, 16 minutes of, of recording this show. It's been just jam-packed with some great stuff. And and just to recap a little bit, like you've talked about your childhood and kind of how you were raised. And I think we have parents that are listening to this show that, you know, I think it should never be, you know, misunderstood or should never be taken for granted the role that parents have when raising children. And it should never be taken for granted that our actions, the words we use, the amount of time we spend with our kids, our reactions to the kids, like these are all shaping this young mind. And I'm glad and you're I'm not happy that you went through what you did, but I'm glad that you came out of it on this side and you were able to kind of take that and become this person who who you are today where you're kind of writing your own rules and and i think more people because you're absolutely right I, I don't think it's controversial to say right and wrong we've seen the world change at, at the years i've been on this this earth i've seen rules change and i've seen say people say this is right this is wrong and and i think you're absolutely correct about that and and you know from and i can tell you are a person that does lives your life with intention and one of the things you do with intention is is stay in shape and and make sure you're taking care of the physical form that you're in so what are some of the things that you do now and and just so everybody knows tim and i talked a little bit before the show we had to choose a different date because he became ill and and had to kind of uh we had to reschedule but what are some of the things you do on a day-to-day to to stay fit and to keep your body in the best shape yeah, I think uh, one of the things, the, the the most basic thing I do is probably uh, breath work. I think uh, I made a commitment to myself that like before I get into something or when I'm transitioning through something, like maybe uh, in the morning after I'm done reading, before I start work, I'll check in with myself and see where my energy level is at, like quantitatively, like out of 10, if 10 is me getting ready, like I have the energy level, like I'm just ready to like bust through the wall next to me, that's a 10. And like one is like, I'm like falling asleep at the wheel and like, I should definitely, you know, uh, where am I? And if I'd be below six, I need to do breath work. Like, that's just like the agreement that I have with myself, because if I show up less than a six, I'm just not going to be, I'm just not going to be great. So like for me, breath work has been, um, really good into tapping in my energy levels and kind of just like, Hey, my intention right now is I'm going to go full force into this next thing. And so let me just bring up my energy levels and just keep that as a constant throughout this, you know, three minute breathwork sash or whatever and then that usually gets me over the hill or uh increases my energy level and then like i guess like daily it's just 
uh, a lot of fascial release, you know, like I, uh, I spend a lot of time on a tennis ball. Um, I have like a, a, I used to have a fitness company that we like built, uh, we made like these custom foam rollers that vibrated and stuff and support your spine. So like, I'm really into all those, uh, fascia release and, uh, rehab and stuff. So, um, I'm doing a lot of like preventive work. I'm also, uh, I trained as a, you know, martial artist for over 25 years and professional boxing, uh, background too. So, like I, I, I have a lot of, um, I guess, experience, peak experiences in, in terms of like, I want to be in the best shape of my life. Okay. I'm going to go prepare for a fight or something and just like, just get to that, get to that point and also figure out like, what's the minimum effective dose for like, I'm not just like, you know, um, wearing myself out. And so just being able to figure out all those things. And I think like what it boils down to for me is, um, that energy check-in and seeing where I'm at at the start of the day. And I just check in with myself, like, yo, like, uh, was yesterday's workout like a little bit too hard? And then like, if it was, so then I'll just move it to like a lighter workout for the day. And I think most of my workouts are, um, they, I, I don't know if you've heard of, um, functional patterns. Um, but it's just basically, uh, this guy who is, uh, he, he, he basically works on people who are like, you know, just, uh, people have given up on cerebral palsy, uh, sclerosis. Um, and, um, he's, he's found ways to reduce people's, um, scoliosis from like 70% to like 15%. Like they have like crazy spines, like in their before pictures and stuff, um, or people have had strokes and stuff. So like, uh, I basically use those principles that he, he teaches in, 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 in my, my daily training. So it's like a, basically advanced rehab um but it makes it keeps me pretty uh pretty jacked so yeah i pretty jacked is 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 saying it lightly i've, I've seen your pictures on ig you, you stay in great shape just let me give you that compliment and oh, thank you uh you're very welcome and one of the things and i'd love you to talk about this because i think people can can learn some people might be biohacking already and they have no idea they're doing it and others may be may have be using the word and not even be close to biohacking but can mm -hmm. you kind of talk about what it is and, and how you use it i i would say that it's just understanding the physiological response or like your body's response to certain types of input and figuring out which ones work for you and which ones don't i think generally um when we look at uh dopamine for instance it's a it's a it's a it's the uh, neurochemical of desire, which builds habit. And so a lot of what we do is habitual. And, um, if we figure out the things that don't work for us that are habitual and we, um, out over a crowd, cause I don't really think that like I've, I've had, you know, addiction with cigarettes, weed, porn, all kinds of things. And like, I don't think that's, I don't, I'm not in the camp that I think that like we can just cut stuff out. I think we just crowd it with other things and so, you know, figuring out what it is that you want more of and then like what you're willing to give up for that, which is like crowding out like all the things that are less healthy, like spending a lot of time on social media or something like that. So um, for me, like one of my routines is like the first thing I do when I wake up is um, is a, to just sit in, in my <laughs> in my backyard or my front yard, usually just wearing my boxers or walks by, walks by and uh, just take in some sun. Uh, get some light in my eyes for about 15 minutes. That's for me, like the minimum effective dose, get some vitamin D 
And then after that, oh, I'm also doing like a coconut pull, which is like just, you know, swishing some coconut oil in my mouth for 15 minutes. And then I spit, spit out that out. And then I just, while I'm doing that, I'm reading a book. So I'm taking care of like four things in like 15 minutes, first thing of the day. So that's like a huge win. So like, although I'm getting like, you know, the vitamin D, I'm also like optimizing my circadian rhythm through the light. I'm also, uh, you know, clearing out my oral biome. Uh, what I'm also doing is setting myself up with some, some like a, you know, a huge stack of wins, you know, in the morning with just like dopamine, like, yes, I did it. Like, even this is just 15 minutes, but like, I did it, you know, and um, I think that's just one of the, the, the things that um, that we can look into is like, how can we stack like these, 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 these positive habits all in one, especially at the start of the day to really just like overcome resistance. Um, and I think a lot of um, biohacking is just really figuring out the physiological actions responsible for what makes us successful. And then getting more inputs in that, in that direction, in that frame. And I, I appreciate you going through that. And one of the things you kind of mentioned was kind of not just cutting off some sort of, you know, it can be an addiction or it can be whatever, just cutting it off and, and leaving that empty space. You, and I, I'm in hundred percent agreement with you in the fact that something has to fill that space. Like, or we're just going to go back to what we didn't want to be doing in the first place. So when I, I think this is something good that we can kind of give people some ideas on and, and, and I know it's not as easy as saying, Hey, you want to quit smoking cigarettes, go for a three mile run. Like it's not like this, it's not that easy, but, but you know, in your opinion, like what are some ways people can at least start that process of transitioning from a, I don't want to say a negative, uh, you know, thing that they're into or, or something that's taking up their time or, or, you know, a, but how they can transition from that into something that actually brings positivity into their life, whether that be physical, whether that be mental. I mean, you know, from better than anybody that I can't just tell you, Hey, go meditate for 30 minutes and they're going to get it just like that. But what are some of the ways that people can at least start that process of switching out that negative to that positive thing in their life? Yeah, I love the direction of that question that you're trying to share with the audience. Uh, for me, I think it goes back to the truth, you know, and I think, you know, I've worked as a, you know, a coach, I've, I've worked with people on addictions and, um, exactly this you know changing the cycle of, of 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 being in the habit of things that don't serve us and getting into the habit of things that do what i can say is um that even though we think that it's a bad habit i think a lot of people are okay with it and that's why they continue to do it and i think the results that we get in life aren't because we don't want them it's because that's exactly what we want and i think a lot of people are probably in the condition of being in denial with the, you know, things in their life. And I think that's part of why addictions pop up is because they're a coping mechanism for whatever we're truly in denial for. And it's, it's painful stuff. And so I, I think that, you know, at the root of all this is like, what, it, what is it that's most painful for us that we are, you know, coping for and, and, you know, the answer is different for everybody. And that's, I think that goes back to the realization and, and the truth of like being honest with yourself. And like, I think a lot of people don't quit until they have like, you know, a stroke or, 
um, something serious because there's no point that they can deny that. And there are people that even they have that, you know, that life changing circumstance and they're still in denial. You know, I see that a lot too. So I think there's, it's, it's, it's really hard to give like a, a clear answer, but I think if, if somebody is really willing and wants to quit, um, they have to look at, you know, what is going on on a deeper level and if they really do want to quit. And I think if the answer is yes and yes, then probably finding some professional help is, is the next move for sure to hold you accountable and keep you with that. You know, I think not enough people say that last part because we can we can sit here and want so much out of ourselves and we can sit here and say, okay, today's the day. Okay, yesterday wasn't the day, today is going to be the day. And we can go through that perpetual just going through the motions and we sometimes not sometimes let me go ahead and read oftentimes we find asking for help as a sign of weakness and it couldn't be farther from the truth like when we're able to actually open up and and whether that means you get a a personal trainer whether that means you go through uh you know cbt uh therapy like you you mentioned whether it means we get a a life coach whether it means we ask a friend who's gone through it you know asking for help is is a lot of times the first real step in making those changes and and when you were talking about you know someone even getting to rock bottom and still doing the wrong things like i I remember the movie and you might be too young for this, but 21 grams. It was a movie with Sean Penn and Naomi Watts. And I remember he, he was a smoker in the movie and needed a heart transplant. Even after he got the heart transplant, he was still sneak to get cigarettes to smoke because I mean, that's, that happens. I mean, we're human. Like it's hard Mm -hmm. for us to, to, to stop these habits that are so ingrained in us. But one of the things that you work on of the many things that you work on is basically, you know, change, setting goals and doing things with purpose. And I think that last part, people kind of, they, they, they may think they have a purpose, but they might not be purpose driven. And they may, for instance, I'll give you a great example. When I started my fitness journey and started running all I saw was numbers on a scale. All I wanted was to get to tick those, just to get to that number, to get to that number. And if I were to go back to that person I was, whatever, 15 years ago, and you asked me what my purpose was, I probably couldn't answer that question. I know what it is now, but I think a person like you can kind of elaborate on, you know, what does it mean to be purpose-driven? Love that question. All your questions have been fire. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I think, you know, the thing about being purpose-driven is that um, you, ha- you have to see a vision for what your purpose is. And I think the, the problem that we all, a lot of us run into, uh, including myself, that I ran into was that living, being raised and living in a survival state, um, like, just so stressed about like how to live and you know getting the results that we want are already you know so difficult how can we imagine like life could be you know any different there's no space for that you know like worrying about this and worrying about that and um i don't think you know for me i wasn't raised with like how to set boundaries with people and like how to tell people what i want so like i I was just like chronically inundated with just 
you know, like feeling like I had to do things, you know, for other people and um, that I needed to show up to things that I had no desire to show up for, but I would still show up and then I'd be in conflict with myself and show up. I wouldn't be my full self. And that would just be kind of my MO, just be this guy who would show up and like not be fully engaged and not really be happy to be there, but I'd still do it for what reasons, you know? So um, I think part of being purpose driven is having the time creating the time and space to figure out like yo like what is my highest vision for myself like at least in just in one area of your life not like just what is you know the the yeah and it's just a work in progress it doesn't have to be a perfect thing and this is what i work with uh in a breakthrough session with a client it's like one of the first things we do is like we we look at like how can we create like the highest ideal for yourself so that you because there's a law of 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 manifestation you know it's one of the the seven laws there's actually eight but there's you know seven known laws and one of them is the law of correspondence seven natural laws and correspondence is i think it's just like as below uh, above so below and so like there is there needs to be alignment like you need to create this highest north star direction so that everything that trickles down you have a, a layer of discernment that says this either takes me to that north towards that north star or it doesn't and when you have that that level of discernment and all of your decision making and you you do that on a daily basis it will take you to the north so um unsurprisingly so i think that's part of it is like we just haven't been shown that that's something that we can do like get out of survival mode get into thriving mode and get into like just figuring out what what's the thing that can excite us the most about the future and start going in that direction and like getting fuel from that like just getting juice to like even that even exists and so i think that's a really big thing i i love that and i'm gonna i took a lot of things you know personally i'm gonna bring into my life what you just said because i'll be honest with you as as a father and a husband and a you know a person trying to to do so much in life like we're in survivor mode so <laughs> survival mode so often like just weekends, getting one kid to soccer, one kid to basketball, got to make dinner, we got to do this, I got to host this, sh- like the whole, like my, uh, so much of my life is in survival mode, but then, you know, there's a part of my life right now, which in it regards mental and physical fitness and, and me being the best version of myself, which I really feel like I'm thriving, like that's the part of me that, that really feels like I'm thriving and, and reaching for that, that that best version of myself but then i come home and it's like oh the kids need help with this my wife needs me to make dinner i gotta do the law it's like what just happened to that person and i think um you know and it's never been i've never heard it spoken like that before though but it makes so much sense it makes so much sense and i know there's people listening to this that are probably stopping right now and being like Wait, I'm on my way home from work. I just picked up dinner. I got to help my kids with, you know, their 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 homework. I got to get Timmy to soccer practice, and I got that meeting I got to prepare for tonight. And then, oh man, we got the bank. And it's like their whole life they're just living in survival mode. And yeah, it's 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 tough. And I'm not listen. Whoever's not parents listening, I'm not trying to turn you off from being a mom or dad or getting married it's it's wonderful i love my kids but sometimes you're just you're just hoping for the best and wishing that things just work out and 
one. I love all the vulnerability in that, yeah. man. That's like just straight fire. Like I could feel the truth in that, man. Like I just I so much appreciate yeah. the, 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 the authenticity you're coming through with right now, man. Yeah, I'm trying, and, and I, I want to be that way because I know there's people who who feel this way but won't say it out loud. Like you'll talk to it's them, like, hey, hey, how's it going? Oh man, just living my best life, and it's like, I, you're not, you're not. Like I, there's something behind that, and I want people to know it's okay. Like it's okay yeah. not to be okay, and and you know what. Um, that's why, that's why we're able to live this life and we're able to do better and be better and, and be better. You know, my, my thing is that I want to show my kids that they can, they can strive to be the best versions of themselves. And hell yeah. And you mentioned something which is so big, which I think people need to learn. This is about boundary setting and we are so bad. And when I say we, I mean, most of us. Like all of us on this listening to this right now probably can think of in the last week where we've said yes to something that we have, we do not want to do. We, I mean, at work, in life, in relationships, all that good stuff. But is there a time that you can remember, and maybe you don't, maybe it was a gradual thing where you just thought to yourself, I just, I just set a boundary and I'm really happy that I did that because I didn't have the bandwidth or any other cliche word that people use nowadays, but you know, is there a part, is there a time you can remember where it's like, man, I would have said yes, or I would have agreed to that, or I would have just stretched myself really thin, but I set a boundary. Is it something like that that you remember? Yeah. You know, I think when I was still trying to earn my worth, you know, and, and uh, my, my self-worth, my value, I was always at work. Um, I would work like hundred hour weeks mm. and um, I would sleep in the office and when my manager would ask me to do something, I would I'd be the first one and be like, hell yeah, I'm gonna do it. Even if I don't sleep, I'm gonna do it. And um, it felt really good to when I was you know at work and I was just finally like just I was just able to to just take the first step in breaking that cycle and just be like, hey, like uh, I'm actually like. Feel like i want to quit <laughs> i was like i'm doing so much i feel like i want to quit and then they're like oh what i never realized that you know and that, that was like i just had the moment it was like well i guess if people know what i'm going through because i'm not telling them but if i tell them that at least like we can work something out you know and like I, that there just wasn't in my mind that that was possible for, for whatever reason so that was just a huge validating moment that like when i finally just admitted like i was just at my breaking point and i admitted and they were like, well, like, well, we don't have to like go that far. Like you're a really valuable asset. Like, you know, like, let's just see how we can make this work. And I, I think like probably not seeing that as an example for my parents, obviously, um, took that out of my realm of what was possible. But me seeing that in that moment, I think really allowed me to say, well, it maybe it doesn't have to go into the broke, breaking point. Like maybe I can collaborate with somebody before it gets there and just let them know and it can turn out for the better. And that's what that experience showed me. That is, that's awesome. And you're absolutely right where we get to that breaking point and it's like, oh, wow. Yeah, some of this is a little on me because I've never verbalized like what I'm going through and we've assumed that people either see the hard work, we assume that people see how burnt out we are, we assume that people, like you keep saying yes, people are just going to think, oh, Tim will always say yes. Like, let's ask Tim. So yeah. um, I'm, I'm glad you, you, you got not, you know, if you're listening right now, don't, if you can, don't get to that point. Like if you need to speak up to let people know, let them know. Um, 
The last thing I want to ask you about is is something I think a lot of people don't don't realize or don't understand. But I kind of want to talk about your relationship with with Buddhism and and what what kind of discipline it's taught you, what you've gotten out of it, and what others can get. Now I'm not pushing anything on anyone. I kind of want you to talk about what you've gotten out of Buddhism and what maybe other people get wrong about it. Like what have what, what's it done for you in your life? Yeah, that's a pretty big question. I usually don't associate myself or like identify as a Buddhist because I think there's just so much uh, connotation association that comes with being religious or or Buddhist. Um, but I, I was trained, you know, by some of the top cultivators of our time. Like that, you know, I've taken you know oaths from like the Dalai Lama and some other you know cultivators. Um, and so it's it's a I, I think one of the things that I can say, I was thinking about this the other day, is like, there's just, there's, in the world that we live in, there's nothing that we really hold sacred. And I think that's something that's lost to our time. But in the past, you know, there were things that were completely, absolutely sacred. You know, right now, I think like, the most sacred thing that people can identify when you go to the Apple store, that thing looks sacred. Like it's a sanctuary for something special. Uh, but like, <laughs> but you go to like, you know, just anywhere else, it's just like everything's regular, you know? And I think there's something about having a sacred space within yourself and cultivating and figuring out what that means. So like I have these mala beads that were like blessed and given to me by one of my teachers and it's basically never supposed to go in like the bathroom or be on the floor or you know anywhere that's like dirty or whatever i mean i make mistakes trust me but uh i think just this idea that there's something that we have that level of boundary for and we have that level of respect for because that represents something more allows us to access whatever that thing more is and i think that's just such a huge element that i think well, a lot of people don't have the chance to to tap into um, because everything is so mundane, everything's so ordinary that um, we can treat things that way. And I think like when, for me, opening up that channel of what, what is sacred allows me to um, come with a different level of dedication, come with a different level of presence, come with a different level of meaning of like, of sincerity. And I think, that's ultimately what allows me to like touch into as like a, a pool of something sacred. And then I can carry that with me in my everyday or like just in little moments um, and share that with people. And I think that's something really special that I, I, I get to do as a result of the practices that I've you know committed myself to, even the simple practice of not bringing my mala beads into the bathroom. I mean, you're absolutely right. Like that, that one, you're absolutely right about the Apple store. Like abs- absolutely correct about that thing. <laughs> and this is coming from a, an Android user. Like, I mean, I am recording on a Mac. I'll give you that. Uh, I, I like my Mac. But man, walking by that store is like, is this, is this a church? Like, what is this? This is crazy. So, um, or a temple. I don't know what's the best word, but I'm, I'm totally off the subject now. But Tim, this has been a great conversation. Before I let you go, how can people find you online? How can they learn more about the things that you're doing? Uh, I think the easiest way probably to get to access to me is like on Instagram, like just Instagram.com. My username is Tim Dinbui. That's T I M D is in dog. I N is in November H and then Bui uh, B is in Bravo U uh, I. So uh, yeah, that's probably the easiest thing uh, if that was not spelled out. Okay. Um, 
as clearly for people then no nope, we will but. no we will have a link to it in the show notes if you're listening right now you can pause and go to the show notes and click on his instagram follow him uh and don't be surprised when you see a young man in just absolutely great shape i think he uh i hope you got as much out of this conversation as i did i think it was a great conversation with you tim thank you so much for opening up thank you so much for making time for us you take care of yourself and, and have a great rest of your day okay you're a very special man i really appreciate the, the space that you've created and what you're doing with this podcast so thank you so much for having me as a part of this Thank you, as always, for listening to the 6AM Run podcast. Again, I am your host, Mark Paisant. Please like and subscribe to the show so you don't miss any of this amazing content. If you can, we would love if you left us a review. Remember to follow us online and use hashtag 6AM Run to connect with the greatest group of runners and fitness enthusiasts in the world.